You can either work in the business or you can work on the business. They have the knowledge and skill to be successful. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow has yet to come. Dive all in on the next chapter of your life. Hi, everyone. This is Greg Alexander, the host of the ProServe podcast, brought to you by Collective 54, the first community dedicated to the boutique professional services industry. On today's episode, we're going to talk about key person risk. Key person risk is when a small firm has over-dependence on a person or a small group of people, and that increases risk in our firm because if someone leaves, it, it tends to create a large gap inside of a small firm, and then we find ourselves in panic mode to try to improve that. And uh, we have a member with us today. His name is Phil Acosta, and Phil recently experienced this and significant, uh, successfully navigated his way through it. So I thought he could share with you what he shared with me because there's much to be learned in his story. So, Phil, it's good to see you. Would you introduce yourself, please? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Philip Acosta. Uh, I am the principal here at Guru LLC. Uh, we're an enterprise IT company uh, primarily based in the D.C. area, but providing support all across the lower 48. Um, we also have a virtualization platform that's a, a SaaS offering called Evos. So okay, great. That's kind of what we do when I've been running this company for about a decade. Got it. So, Philip, why don't we start off with telling the audience what happened? Okay, so um, basically, uh, I have had the same structure of how we've been running the company corporately, probably for about the last five to six years. Um, and that is myself. And then I had a number two as an operations manager, and then we had some people beneath them, but it was mainly me to him uh, at the top. Um, that person told me that they were going to be retiring uh, at the end of 2024. So I kind of had a plan for that. Um, but they moved it up to the end of this year. So 2023 calendar year. And I found that out a couple months ago, March, April. Um, and so from that period, um, I started thinking, okay, what are we going to do here? Um, are we going to just replace the person that's uh, in that spot? Um, which I think would be impossible because of the institutional knowledge and stuff like that that's uh, been associated with that. So, you know, you can get pretty close, but probably not a perfect fit to replace that, or at least it would be challenging. Um, or I looked at it as like, okay, we are in the 40s going to 50s at that point. Now we're over 50. Um, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to restructure the company for the next stage of what we're going to do here. Because even if that individual had stayed, we probably couldn't have ran the company the same way for very much longer. Um, I chose the latter. Um, and now I'm in the process of, you know, of implementing that change. You know, the new person is aboard and uh, the person that was here prior, they're still here overlapping currently. But, you know, like as Greg was saying, we're, we're making that transition. And so far it's uh, it's going okay. So that's, it's a great story. Thanks for sharing that with me. And I think it's very real. I mean, I think, um, you know, this has happened to several of our members and, you know, what are you going to say to somebody when they want to retire? I mean, they've, they've done a great job for you. I'm sure you've got a great relationship and you want them to have a happy retirement. So it's a, it's a tricky situation because on the other side, you got you got a business to run and this creates, creates a gap. Um, tell me short term. So you, you get delivered this news. You know, now you've been able to digest it, remove emotion, think logically, make a sound business decision, which we'll get to in a moment. It sounds like that's working out. But in the moment when that happened, um, you know, was there any fallout? Was there, you know, did the business take a hit? Was there 
a lot of stress placed on you. Kind of bring us back to that moment. Um, yeah, I don't think the business necessarily took a hit. Um, there was a lot of stress placed on me. Yeah. Um, you know, because, you know, the timing is just, um, you know, not to get into my personal life, but I have a bunch of small kids that I just, you know, I just had recently, just had recently <laughs> in our family. So you got, you know, the personal side of it, but, you know, um, I try to have some structure in how I do things. And I had a plan to start this process at the end of 2023 and basically to give myself the whole calendar year of 2024 to make this a smooth thing to, you know, you know, go out, interview, look for people, figure out the right fit, do the integration. And it kind of crunched that entire timeline. So I was a little uh, upset initially. Um, and I think one of the things that I've uh, tried to do is not take one moment, which I kind of looked at as like, you told me you would do one thing and now you're kind of going yeah. back on your word. Um, I tried to not take one moment and allow it to define what is a 19 year working relationship with this person, mm. um, which has mostly been really good. And so to me, I wouldn't want to take that moment and, and allow that to, you know, you know, take away from all the good things that have happened over the years. So um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm an imperfect person. It took me time to process and get to that point uh, to be able to to look at it that way. But, you know, that is the way that I've helped myself uh, get through it. And then, you know, I was like, okay, now we got to refocus and figure out how we're going to do this. Yeah. Well, it's very mature of you. And I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable. I mean, I've had this happen to me before in the past and I reacted very emotionally initially. And then, you know, once I said, okay, it is what it is. I got to deal with it. And, you know, it brought some clarity to the situation. And, and listen, we got to acknowledge that we are people and, you know, emotion is going to be, become part of it because the implications of this, as you just mentioned, not just professionally, but personally, you know, it can be traumatic. You know, you've got a plan and all of a sudden the plan goes up in smoke and that can be very, very disturbing. Um, so you talked about your two options and the criteria upon which you made the choice, which if I repeat back was you didn't think that you could replace this person as is because of all the institutional knowledge and that would be really tough to replicate. And then you were peeking into the future and you're saying we're at 50 people now and a few years we'll be at 500 people. Like, what do I need going forward? Which was a very good set of decision criteria. Sometimes there's a third choice that people consider. And I want to ask you if you did consider this and why you ruled it out. And that is you could promote somebody from within. And that sometimes works because that tribal knowledge issue, that institutional knowledge is less felt if it's an internal promotion. So did you consider that and, and why did you decide against it? Um, yeah, I did consider it. Um, I think the problem is that, uh, and it's a, it's a fault of something we've done here. We didn't build anybody mm. to take that role. Um, and we should have done that. And I won't make that mistake again. Um, because like you said, it makes it easier to have an internal hire. Mm. But when I look at the things that I needed, there was nobody that had been built to take over in that capacity. Yeah. Um, without creating a hole in some other area and then basically just playing you know, whack-a-mole of replacing people. Um, so to me, that's the reason, you know, that uh, we, we didn't go that route. Yeah. So so the lesson for members is the talent supply chain concept, right, which says you should be developing, you know, everybody along the chain, if you will. So if one person leaves, another person steps in. But that whack-a-mole concept where you're creating holes throughout the org chart isn't an issue because, you know, everybody gets pulled up 
accordingly. Now, listen, I understand how hard that is. I know we're all super busy, and it sounds great in theory, and it makes a ton of sense. Meanwhile, you're working 50 hours a week running around trying to serve clients. Like It's, it's hard to compartmentalize these things. But if you're learning anything from Philip's story, it's, it's, it's really important to have that talent supply chain in place so that if something like this was to happen again or happen to you for the first time, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't mean that you're going to promote from within, but it means you have the option. It's a viable option. And then you can compare the internal promotion to the external recruit and make a good choice. So I just wanted to point that out. So let's move to the the external recruitment. So this is a big job that you're, you're filling. Uh, this person's going to play a huge role in your success going forward. So how did you find this person and, and how did you decide on who to hire? Um, so... I really turned to people that I knew in the industry that were either mentors or, you know, I know had had this experience um, in prior, you know, um, interactions because honestly it was brand new territory for me. Mm. Um, you know, I've made a zillion hires with this company, but I've never hired someone to kind of run the company. Mm. Uh, and so trying to figure out the right choice for that w- w- was challenging. So um, I, I reached out to people that, like I said, that I trusted, um, I asked them if they knew people in the market. Um, that's another thing is it's kind of a word of mouth thing. Yeah. Not saying you can't go hire uh, a COO off of Indeed, but it's certainly not as common as like <laughs> going and hiring a, ne- a network engineer. So, you know, you kind of want to ask what they've done in the industry and be able to vet some of that stuff. So, you know, with the person that I ultimately landed on, um, you know, it came from a source that I trusted that I felt like if this didn't work out, I could hold accountable. Mm-hmm. Um and it also, you know, I, I vetted a lot of their their um, folks that they gave me and, you know, asked them about background, you know, not really to ask them, was this person good for the job? Because anybody you put down for a reference, they're going to say they're good for the job or you probably shouldn't have put them down for a reference. But I just tried to pull out of them, you know, what they had done and line it up against what I thought we needed. Mm-hmm. And and one of the, and to keep clear on a theme, one of the big things I wanted to hear is what their growth story where he had taken a division and grown it and how they scaled that, what they did and uh, what they left in place and how they got there. Mm. What was the pitch to the candidate? Because it sounds like these are big shoes to fill. And did uh, that, <laughs> how did you convince him to take the job? Um, well, I mean, he actually really liked the company. Um, so, I mean, it was helpful that, you know, when I presented what the company did, he thought it was attractive. He thought it was ripe to go forward. Um, but, you know, I, I did one of the big things I told them is that, you know, you know, I've ran this company, even though I had a number two before. It's kind of been like my way on everything for a very, very long time. I've kind of been the driving force of this company, I said. But I'm not looking for someone to come in and report to me. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm looking for someone to be a partner and grow with me. And I am willing to step back and embrace your ideas and not me say, well, that's not how we do this here. Um, so I think and part of what made the job attractive is how open I was to new things. And, you know, that's, uh, I mean, I've talked with you, Greg, about it and that's proving hard so far in practice to do, but, but I mean, I'm, I'm working at it and I'm trying not to, you know, get in the way too much. Well, good for you for being aware of that, that that's an issue, you know, entrepreneurs and I'm one of them. We all struggle with that, right? It's, um, the control issues. Um, and, and in order to get a company to a certain level, you have to have talented people and empower them to be successful. And it's really hard to let go. So, and it's not like you flick a switch and it happens overnight, just it'll happen over time. And then, and once this new person and underline the word new, that's the issue. 
once they demonstrate their ability, you'll your trust in them will go up and up and up. Not that you don't trust them now, I'm sure you do, but it'll be an earned trust and and you'll you'll sleep better at night knowing about your delegation decisions. All right, my last question would be so you have somebody leaving in the next six months and you have somebody who just started within the last two. How have you structured their relationship so that the transition goes as smooth as possible? Yeah, so one of the things I did immediately um, is I wanted them to marry up um, and spend a lot of time. together. In fact, as we're doing this podcast, they're in the conference room right now, <laughs> um, we're working on some stuff together. So um, I told them basically in week one, I said, I just kind of wanted them to spend time together because uh, I had talked a lot with the candidate before he ever came here. So he kind of knew what I wanted. And I also have the benefit of I'm probably going to be here for quite a long time. And I want to make sure that we get as much um, done and figuring out a transition uh, prior to them, you know, moving on with us uh, having our person that's in place moving on. So um, they've, you know, I've encouraged them to go out and have lunches together. Um, they seem to genuinely be getting along and, and doing well. Um, I think another bonding point is talking about me, <laughs> not necessarily in a bad way, but, you know, it's like, hey, he does this, you know, kind of the challenges of working with me or the good things and, you know, different stylistic things that I like to see. I think they've kind of bonded over that. Um, but I've tried to make sure that they spend a lot of time together. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I had this person that's taking the job now that's been in place. I had these two talking throughout the interview process. So mm. they already knew a bunch about each other before the job was ever accepted. You know, and, and it's fortunate that it was a retirement situation, which gave you some runway it gave you an opportunity to have the retiring person participate in the interview process. But imagine a scenario, listeners, where that's not the case. You show up for work one day and your key person walks in and gives you two weeks notice. Now what? So it's a, it's a very different situation in that. And that, that just puts, you, puts an emphasis on, on this key person risk issue and making sure that you're building that talent supply chain. So, Philip, we're, we're out of time here, but I appreciate you, you sharing your story with us. It's incredibly relevant, and I appreciate you being in the community. Every time I speak to you, I learn something. So, so thanks for being here today. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. You guys have a good day. All right. Uh, a couple of uh, calls to action for listeners. Um, if you're a member and you're listening, look out for the meeting invite. So Phil will do his uh, Q&A session with us. Um, if you're want to be a member and you're not yet, go to collective54.com and fill out an application. We'll get in contact with you. And then uh, if you're not ready for either of those two things, you just want to learn more, go to Amazon. You can find my book. It's called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Professional Services Firm. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Take care.